You're listening to the Growth Experts Podcast. So if you're looking to 10X your business by learning proven growth strategies, you're in the right place. During my interviews with top CEOs, entrepreneurs, and marketers, I dig deep to uncover the real strategies, hacks, and tools to help you achieve your goals. And I'm your host, Dennis Brown. Hey, have you ever wondered how I generate thousands of inbound leads per year using LinkedIn? Well, this episode is sponsored by my guide, The Ultimate Guide to Generating Inbound Leads with LinkedIn. This is the definitive guide on how to consistently generate inbound leads using LinkedIn and social selling. So if you want a copy of that guide, just send a text to 44222 with the word L-I guide, all one word, L-I guide to 44222, or you can go to my website at askdennisbrown.com forward slash guide. Now let's get on with the show. Hey, welcome back, everybody. And today we have yet another amazing guest. His name is Brian Clayton, and he's the CEO and co-founder of GreenPal, which is an online marketplace that connects homeowners with local lawn care professionals. GreenPal has been called the Uber of lawn care by Entrepreneur Magazine and has over 200,000 active users completing thousands of transactions per day. Before starting GreenPal, Brian founded Peachtree, which is one of the largest landscaping companies in the state of Tennessee, growing it to over $10 million in sales, and then selling it, it was acquired by one of the largest landscaping companies in the country. So, welcome to the show, Brian. Awesome to be here. Yeah, thank you so much for being here. It's an interesting story. Before we hit record, you were telling me some really crazy stories about how you grew this business early on and some of the things you had to do in order to find product market fit and and then how you were able to scale the company. So we're going to dive into some of that today. If we had an hour, I'm sure we could fill it with all kinds of great stuff, you know, as to how you were able to grow this business. But today we're going to, we're going to talk about a concept that you mentioned in our pre-interview, which is this whole concept. You have, you basically have a marketplace. And so you know, there's multiple parties you have to market to, you know, you got to market to the lawn, the service providers, you got to market to the actual end users. And so that's not an easy job, right? Because you're, you got, you got a lot of different irons in the fire, but you talked about this concept of get, keep, grow. And so we're going to kind of unpack that and see how that helped you throughout your journey and getting you where you are today. The sales have been doubling year over year. So give us a quick intro into it first, before we do that, a little bit about you, a little bit why you, why you decided to launch GreenPal. Yeah, awesome. So I've never had a job. I've been a lifelong entrepreneur. I started mowing yards uh, in high school as a way to make some extra cash. My dad forced me to mow my first, first yard, thankfully. And uh, over 15 years period of time, I grew that little lawn mowing business in high school to a real company, just me and a push mower to over 150 employees. And uh, I got the business to over $10 million a year in annual revenue. In 2013, that company was acquired by one of the largest landscaping companies in the, in the country. And after that, I retired. I took some time off. I got bored. I realized that for me to be happy, I needed to be building businesses. I needed to be in the game. I'm wired to love entrepreneurship. And so I came up with this idea to start GreenPal, which is basically the Uber for lawn mowing. It's a marketplace that connects homeowners and local lawn care services. If you're a homeowner, you need to get your lawn mowed. You just jump on the website or the app. You'll get five quotes in less than 60 seconds. You can hire the service provider you want. They come out and mow and you pay right through the app. And uh, so I was able to use a lot of the, the, the lessons I learned the first 15 years starting a basic landscaping company 
into how to solve the problems that landscapers face on a daily basis and how to solve the problems that homeowners face finding a good lawn mowing service and make it just so much easier and the way it should be in 2020. It's taken seven years to get to the point where we're nationwide in the United States. We have over 200,000 users that use the platform to get their lawn mowed. And it started off very humbly in Nashville, Tennessee in the summer of 2014. At the end of our first year, we had uh, 22 users, 22 customers, and half of them were my friends and family. So uh, having to start over again and reinvent myself as a blue-collar entrepreneur to a tech entrepreneur was a hell of a journey, one that was about 10 times harder than I thought it would be, but I'm glad I've, glad I've done it. Yeah, that's ballsy, converting over from a, a guy who had really had no hands-on experience in the tech world, right? You were a hands-on, get-your-hands-dirty-out-in-the-field right. guy to a tech guy. That, that's a big pivot, right? So kudos to you for making that transition. It, I'm sure it wasn't an easy one. So let me ask you a couple of quick questions. Have you raised any capital or is this all bootstrapped? So it's all bootstrapped. haven't raised any outside capital. A seminal, uh, I guess, uh, mentor of mine that I, I've never met, but uh, Dave Ramsey was a guy that I listened to growing up starting my first business and beat into my head building that business debt-free. And I built that business with, with not taking on any loans to buy any equipment. Uh, at the end of it, I had something like 80 trucks. All of them were paid off. And so having that business be debt-free was one of the main reasons I was able to get it sold. And just that kind of humble, slow and low, sustainable approach to building companies has carried me on through now building GreenPal. We haven't taken on any debt, no, no financing, no outside capital. We have a mantra. We say revenue is the best form of financing that there is. And so that kind of sustainable approach is, is what's led to our success. Here we are seven years in. Uh, we now have a good profitable business. And, you know, going through COVID, we sleep well at night. You know, we don't, we don't have any, any outside pressure on us to grow too fast through this. And it's one of the things that's been fundamental to, to our success is, is not having any outside stakeholders. Yeah, I love that. You know, you're not, you're not beholding. You can make the decisions that you want and profit has been your salvation because you're not overspending, right? right? So it makes, you, it makes you a lot more strategic and a lot more frugal, obviously, in making those decisions. So I like that. It might be a little bit slower growth potentially, but, but at the end of the day, you know, you're your own man and you can make your own decisions. You and your partners are, are in a good position. So I love that. So give us a sense of size of the business. I mean, I know you, we talked about 200,000 users, whatever you can share, you know, whether that be some range of revenue, whatever you're comfortable with, because I want to paint the picture for, for the, who's listening here as to what you've been able to accomplish. I mean, this is not an easy business model. What can you share with us there? Yeah, not, not easy is a great way to put it. And if, I, if it was as hard as I'd known it was going to be, I probably would have never gotten started, if I'm honest. But here we are seven years in. At the end of our first year, our, I think our revenue was $10,000 all in. End of the second year, I think we might have made $100,000. But we've been doubling every year. And so now, uh, last year, uh, we rounded out the year at just over $10 million. And this year, we're on a $20 million run rate. Even through COVID, we're, we're still going to double the business. And so now we, we have a, a machine that, that, that is generating revenue. It's like eight years ago, I remember talking with fellow entrepreneurs that would hustle their ass off just to raise a $50,000 angel check. And I mean, now we pump that into the business every single week, you know, off the revenue we're making. So it feels good to, to now have a machine that we're able to reinvest the revenue right back into it. But to your point, it's very hard to get over that cold start, very hard to get the flywheel going. So I'm not anti-venture capital. I'm not anti-raising uh, outside money. Just for me, this was the right approach. And there's a graveyard full of Uber for X businesses, Uber for laundry service, Uber for maid cleaning, Uber for park your car, whatever. 
that have crashed billions of dollars of revenue into the ground. And so thankfully, we have been able to survive all that. And one main reason is because constraints is like the mother of invention. Like if you are literally having to worry about how we're going to go from 10 to $20,000 in revenue this, this month, you have to worry about one thing and it's serving your user, serving your customer. For us, that simple, the simplicity of that has been the thrust of our success. Awesome. All right. Well, listen, we got you have an interesting path and, and I'd love to pull it all apart, but we want to talk today about this get, keep, grow philosophy and framework that you use to help guide you, you know, for the last seven years from, you know, from, you know, $10,000, you know, your first year to now, you know, projecting over 20 million this year. So can you unpack that for us again? We've got a limited amount of time, but share with us the concept and then more importantly, how it impacted you on the decisions you made. Yeah. Yeah. So getting started going from a blue collar entrepreneur to a digital one, I had to learn as much as I could. And so I read every book I get my hands on. One book I read was called The Startup Owner's Manual by Steve Blank, who is like the godfather of tech startups. And this book has a simple heuristic in it called Get, Keep, Grow. One problem that you face as a tech startup entrepreneur, especially a bootstrap one, is you're constantly getting tugged in all of these different directions. You have to wear all these different hats. Do I focus on growth? Do I focus on acquisition? Do I focus on product market fit? Do I focus on product design? Do I focus on like these neat little referral tactics I see Uber doing? Like, what do I do? And if you can really compartmentalize it into three different, three different parts of the funnel of get, keep, grow. Get is how the hell are you going to get the first hundred people to use this thing that you're building? And then once you get those first hundred, how are you going to get the, the next thousand? How are you going to get the next 10,000? That's get. And you can, you can do something as simple as spend two days or three days a week just on the get piece of it. Then you've got, you've got keep, which is- Before we I dive in, wait, before we dive into that keep, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but you, I have to pull this out because you had such a really cool, cool story here. And it's definitely worth going down the rabbit hole. When you first started GreenPal, you know, you were trying to figure out how you were going to get customers, right? Family, friends, everybody you knew, neighbors, everybody. Those are the obvious ones. But you went out and did something really interesting that most people would never really consider, particularly for a tech startup. You went back to blue collar and hit the streets. Tell them about how, what you did there in order to you know, start getting a little bit of traction and learning more about how you went out and did a bunch of, uh, what would you call them? I forgot what you called yeah, so summer 2014, Nashville, Tennessee, we, we paid a development shop to build the first version of this product and, it, and uh, paid them like 150 grand and we launched it crickets. Nobody used it. And we were, <laughs> we were just so like heartbroken, but we understood, okay, we got to get some people to use this thing because we need to know, is, are we even like solving a problem? We knew enough of that by reading the books to understand we had to validate that. And so taking a page out of my former playbook from like 15 years earlier, we printed up a hundred thousand door hangers that were just like, Hey, you need to get your grass cut. You can push a button and get your lawn mowed or something like that. And we passed those out all over middle Tennessee around Nashville, Tennessee. And after passing like a hundred thousand of these, of these things, we probably got a couple hundred people to sign up and use it. I got bit by a dog like two times and we got chased out of a few neighborhoods. It was very humbling. But we were able to get the, the early users that we needed. A couple of things we learned. One was it wasn't a scalable user acquisition strategy, like uh, 10 customers per dog bite is not a good way to grow a business. But we were able to learn that who is our ideal user? Who's our ideal customer? I thought it was the people that lived in the million dollar mansions outside of Nashville, and it wasn't. It was actually the people that lived in the $150,000 house. 
it was the people that, that were uh, just trying to work a blue collar job, but didn't have time to mow their grass. And so we were offering a better, more economical solution for them. So we were able to validate pieces of the value proposition just by going through the motions of doing that, of hustling up our first hundred users. And then we were able to interview as many of them that were nice enough to meet with us and understand, okay, where did we delight you? Where did we upset you? Where was the product confusing? Where did it make sense? And we were able to like bake all of that feedback back into the second version of the product that we spent the next year building. So just the, that first like initial like 100, 10, 100, 1,000 users, a lot of entrepreneurs these days are willing to like skip over that and like say, oh, well, I've got this referral marketing thing or we're just going to buy some Facebook ads. Oh, we're gonna we're gonna grow we're gonna growth hack it right that's that's we're the new thing right they're gonna it, growth yeah. hack it yeah. what I love about what you said Brian was you know the get keep grow when when you said get and you were talking early on I love the idea it's that whole concept of getting scrappy right I mean you right. went back to your roots and you said listen right. here's what I know I don't know a whole lot about search I don't know a whole lot about paid ads I don't know a whole lot about how these people are buying or who's buying but I know that if I go talk to a bunch of people. <laughs> I'm going to gather that information. So you just yep. got really scrappy. So I love that in the get phase, right? So is there anything else you want to add about the get before we move on to the keep? Yeah, I call it the, I call it manufacturing momentum. And you have to be willing to manufacture that momentum when you're going from zero to one. Getting over the cold start, to your point, you have to literally get out of the building. You can't just sit behind a laptop and get the engine running. You got to get out and like hustle your way to your first hundred users. And then, only then will you know, okay, this is how I'm going to get to a thousand. Love it. Perfect. All right, let's pivot over to keep. Keep. So the next piece of, of, of the equation is how are you going to keep the first hundred or first thousand users that you've got? Because you got, if you don't have a sticky business, if you don't have a business that's retaining users, then you don't have a business. It doesn't matter how much you do over here. You're not going to be able to build any kind of business. And as simple as that sounds, billions and billions and billions of dollars have been destroyed not balancing this piece of the equation of just spending all of their capital on user acquisition and not keeping them. So you have to understand, okay, how am I getting the product market fit? Am I keeping the users that we're, that we're, that we're recruiting? Are we solving problems for them? And as simple as that sounds, like half of your time needs to be on the keep piece. For me, I was able to look at other players in, in, in the uh, kind of on-demand economy and understand, okay, this is how they're crafting their products to make them sticky. This is how they're making their products easy to use. And one thing, one thing that I did in the early days was I drove for Uber. I drove for Lyft. I delivered uh, food on DoorDash and Postmates. I walked dogs on WAG and, and Rover. And I did any on-demand sharing economy gig that I could do to learn, okay, this is how these, these players that are raising capital are crafting the products to make them delightful, make them easy to use, make it to where they're solving a problem reliably. And I learned so much doing that. Yeah, sure, it was humbling when my friend uh, would order a cheeseburger and I would have to go deliver it. <laughs> but I learned so much doing that, that one of the main reasons that my team and I are here today, and we, we have a product that is sticky, that we're able to keep uh, a lot of the users that use it because we're just simply making their lives easier. So as an early stage entrepreneur, you have to focus on like a literally like half your time needs to be on the get piece and the other half needs to be on the keep. Once you have those figured out, then you can maybe start looking at the grow, but let's get these figured out first. So let's talk about the keep really quick. You know, what's one of the things, you know, one of those epiphanies that you had after you got your first hundred users and you said, listen, all right, this thing is going to start to work. We're starting to build a little bit of this momentum that you talked about. Now, 
we got to make sure we don't have a leaky bucket because we don't have unlimited cash to acquire users. We've got to retain these users. If there was one or two things that you learned and applied to the service, to the marketplace, to GreenPal that made it super sticky, what were they? Yeah. So for me, like I'm coming into the industry, I'm coming into this, this game with 15 years of experience on the vendor side. And so for me, I thought the main thrust behind the value proposition was this is the cheapest way to get your, your lawn mowed. And in many ways, that is important. But we uncovered and what we understood after interviewing hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of users was reliability was actually more important than price. Believe it or not, there is a mysterious thing in the lawn mowing business of the case of the disappearing lawn guy. You hire him and he maybe mows for two times, three times, and he does a good job and then he just poof, disappears. He never comes back. Or he, like, he may come back, but when he wants to. Like he's supposed to come on Thursday, but he didn't mow this week and he came next Wednesday. It's like a total pain in the butt for consumers. And so what we came to understand by focusing on the keep piece was making sure the reliability of this software and to where if they, if they set up a schedule, a homeowner does, for him to be there or her every two weeks, that they actually show up on the day they're supposed to. Just as simple as that sounds, that's the main thrust of our value proposition to keep users. As a homeowner, you set it up and you forget it. It just magically happens in the background. You don't have to worry about nagging the person to show up and send you an invoice or, or even like wondering when they're going to show up because, because they're not answering their phone or returning their email. So like that's, that was one like epiphany that we had on the Keith piece. And we had to like re-architect the entire backend of the vendor side to literally be like what I call a boss in a pocket. It's like, you need to be here on these 10 stops today. And guess what? We're scoring your reliability and we're showing that reliability to consumers. So this affects how you get hired in the future if you show up on time today. Took us years to figure this out, but that's just one of the things that we learned on the keep aspect of it. That this is actually what people want. They want a reliable way to get this done, more so than a cheap way. I love that. No, that's perfect. I mean, you know, it, it's simple and it's very logical, but it takes, you know, it takes time and effort and energy and mistakes and failure in order to get through that process, right? And because Absolutely. you were willing to, you know, take the slower boat to China, so to speak, as far as the growth perspective, you, as long as you, you know, as long as you kept testing and trying and failing, you know, you were going to learn those lessons. And I think obviously that that's another reason why that little bit slower approach sometimes can be so valuable because when you're moving at hyper speed, there's obviously advantages to that, but the disadvantage is a lot of things fall through the cracks, right? And there's a lot right. of missed lessons, lost lessons, and along with that, a ton of lost money and revenue, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it can, it can cost you a year to learn something or it can cost you a million dollars, right? So yeah, if you think or, about or it 10, that way. Or 10 million. Or yeah. 10 million and or it, more. And it's, not, and it's not the 10 million, it's 40% of your company. It's like, it's not just the $10 million you spent. You literally, you had to give up half your company to get that $10 million. And so yeah. again, like, you know, entrepreneurialism is like going from failure to failure without a loss of enthusiasm. And a lot of times that this relentless persistence of getting in the trenches, figuring out what's working and just like hustling your way through and, and just being relentless about the constant improvement is what will get you there. Like use football as an analogy. Like it, it's like you're going to be playing the running game. You're going to be going two, three yards at a time. You're not going to be making any Hail Mary passes unless you get lucky and you do raise a bunch of money and you make a few bets and it does work. But you know, for most entrepreneurs, that's a bad bet. Got it. All right, listen. So we talked about the get component. We talked about the keep component. Let's talk a little bit about the grow. The grow. So after you get get and keep kind of stabilized, not like you're like 
toasting with champagne or anything like that, but at least you've got some kind of momentum. Then you do need to figure out, okay, how are you going to leverage your user base to grow more? Because yeah, you can build a, a lifestyle business on just to get and keep, but it's not until you figure out how to get the compounding growth where the more users that you acquire, uh, the more they refer and the more they refer, you're not going to build any kind of massively successful business until you figure out the grow aspect of it. For us, in the early days, we spent maybe 5% of our time on this. But now here we are seven years later, hundreds of thousands of users. A lot of our time is spent on how do we leverage that user base to grow more. And so that's when you get into your things like referral marketing. You get into your, your channels like how do you leverage the points of delight and enthusiasm that the user is going through the journey to get them to share and spread the word. And that could be digitally, it could be word of mouth. But the one key lesson that we learned here is that until you start to tackle this, you need to then, you need to first hand crank it. You know, a lot of times you may just want to say, okay, we'll put a referral uh, workflow in, in the app like Uber does and that's what we'll do. I don't know. I mean, maybe if you're lucky, but what you should probably do is, is spend 10 hours a week and email 20 of your best customers and ask them, you know, if they would tell five friends about it and, and, and give them a $10 Amazon gift card if, if they do. And like, yeah, maybe you might, you know, do a hundred of those and get one, but at least you're going to learn something about how to craft your referral flows and how to craft the, 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 even the copy around how you make those processes work. Hand crank it first, nail it, and then scale it. Got it. So again, getting scrappy, getting down into the trenches, talking to those customers, actually having a dialogue with them, asking them questions, getting feedback, and then crafting an offer based upon the feedback, not based upon what you think or assume or what somebody else has, you've seen in the marketplace. Right. Yeah. Or what you think is working for somebody else. Because a lot of times, here's something else. This is an early lesson that I learned the hard way. There was a company called Homejoy back in 14, 15, 16 that was Uber for, uh, for maid service. And they raised $120 million in one year and they were crushing it. And they had this referral program where they would like give like, a free maid service if you just referred somebody. I'm looking at this and I'm like, damn, man, how are they affording that? And, like, and, and I'm thinking, how are we going to do something like that? Well, the next year they were out of business. And so a lot of times you're looking at these processes and things that other, other companies are doing. You try to script those on to whatever it is you're doing. And that can be a recipe for disaster because it may not even be working for those businesses. They're just trying stuff out. And if you try it and just do it without testing first, then it could sink your company. Nail it, then scale it. That's my advice. Love it. Perfect. Well, listen, is there anything else you want to add about this get, keep, grow kind of framework or anything, any other lessons you want to add? I got a couple more quick questions and then we're going to wrap it up for today. You know, I think if, if you focus on this sustainable way to build a business and your balance and your approach, it can be the thing to help your company survive times like we're in right now with COVID, where a lot of businesses are getting hollowed out, the revenue is reduced by 50% or whatever. If you have been building your business in such a sustainable way to using a methodology like this, it'll help build the durability around your company so you can be the last man, last woman standing in a time like this. So it's kind of prescient in the, in the time that we're going through right now. It's like, okay, thank God we spent the time building a sustainable company and not just focusing on like just the, the get piece and just burning through user acquisition and not keeping any of them and carrying on what I call the theater of success. We're actually building a successful business and that's why we sleep well at night. Yeah, I love it. It's a very disciplined, thoughtful approach to growing any business. So I really appreciate that and glad you were here today. So a couple quick questions, we'll wrap it up. 
Oh, so we're going to ask a couple quick questions and then we're going to wrap it up for today. So what's one of your favorite growth tools or software or apps, something that you use to grow your business? Obviously not GreenPal, of course, but something else. Yeah. So like tools that we use to grow our business. One tool that is just awesome is Google Optimize. We, this thing has gotten so easy to use, easy to implement, and we test the hell out of every interface that we have. And we've learned so much, like just me, like thinking I know the answer to something and like how to present something to our users. We test it. And as it turns out, I was wrong. And we have been like literally wasting money for years doing it the wrong way. And this simple test like gave us a 5% lift in like all like top line revenue. So my advice is like test, 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 test. Even in the early days, even if you only have a couple hundred users, test the hell out of everything. It's free. Google, Google Optimize is free. Put it in the product. Use it. Love it. Perfect. And what would be uh, one book that maybe you've read, you know, throughout your journey that, you know, that has helped you or you think might help people on theirs? Well, the book I mentioned earlier, you know, the Startup Owner's Manual by Steve Blank. I mean, granted, there's a hundred books I could recommend, but that one is, is relevant to this conversation. It's a great, it's the Bible on starting a business like this. It's just a handbook on how to go from zero to one, the, like a repeatable process on just how do you take an idea and make it into something. I love that book. Startup Owner's Manual, Steve Blank. Perfect. Well, listen, Brian, I really appreciate you being here today. Let everybody know how they can learn more about you and GreenPal, and then we'll wrap it up for today. Yeah. So if you're listening to this and you're busy, you don't want to mow your yard, you just jump on our website. You go to yourgreenpal.com or download GreenPal in the, in the Play Store or App Store and you can sign up, get your lawn mowed in less than 60 seconds. Anybody wants to email me, you know, they can email me right at brian, B-R-Y-A-N, at yourgreenpal.com. I'm happy to answer any questions on how to start a business from scratch. If you do email me, try to put me on third base with whatever it is you're doing and I can help, help you in the best way I can. Love it. Listen, I'll put all those links in the show notes. Really appreciate you being here and I'm sure we'll chat again soon. Right on. Had a great time. Listeners, I want to thank you for tuning in. I truly appreciate your time. If you're enjoying the podcast, then do me a huge favor. Click the subscribe button now and please leave me a review. It would mean a lot to me.